What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Well, I want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast today. I'm very excited to have Sam Fiara on the program today. He is a speaker, educator, coach, writer, and community do-gooder. And you know what? I- I'm going to allow him to introduce himself and I welcome him to the program by way of his own introduction. Let me welcome to the program, Sam Fiara. Uh, Cliff, thank you so much. And I look forward to being able to share some insights. When you, you know you ask, you know, who is Sam? The best way for me to describe it is that there are five things that guide and direct me in life. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Those five things have enabled me to help individuals, teams, organizations, educational institutions, and nonprofits to their pinnacle best. But it's also enabled me to become what you've just shared, a, a speaker and a storyteller, a writer, a blogger, a mentor and a coach, an entrepreneur, educator, problem solver, and community activator. All of that resonates around those five things that I just shared with you that make up who I am and my foundation. Hmm. Uh, what about your backstory do you think will give the audience a vested interest in your journey? Yeah, and my journey was probably very similar to many, and it's it's a narrative that we've lived. You know, uh, I went through university, graduated with a degree in business and political science, and, you know, I felt here I am ready to graduate, and uh, what a great combination. Someone's going to be lucky to get me. It's just a matter of who's lucky. And I remember at graduation, I at the ceremony, I graduated, walked across the stage, shook the hands of the dignitaries. And as I walked off the stage, this virtual door slammed behind me because everything familiar to me was behind that door. And now you sit down going like, okay, I guess I have to move forward. And I recall sitting there and I said, okay, I guess the next step is I have to start applying for jobs. So I sent out 
12 letters. And back then we had to write letters, type letters, hand deliver them or put them in the mail. Remember I sent off 12. Okay, let's see who's lucky to get me. And I just remember two weeks later, a letter arrived from one of these companies and it said, you know, thanks for applying, but we don't have a position for you. Good luck. And I said, well, that's okay. You're not lucky to get me, but I've still got 11 letters out there. Well, it was almost like the tide. The more letters I started sending out, the more letters started coming back to me. And over a course of a period of time, I have 86 rejection letters that I hold mm -hmm. in my hand. And these 86 rejection letters are for companies who said, we don't have a job for you. We're not sure what you're looking for. And good luck. The 86 letters literally weighs about as much as a brick. It's about the size of a block of a brick that I, mm. that I had. And I remember every letter became a nail in my coffin of self-confidence. Mm. Now, finally, I got my first job. I got my first break. And it was, well, think of it, business and political science. Well, it was an entry-level government job. My first job was mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins in a hospital as a janitor because that was a government type of job that I took. But here's the difference. Instead of thinking about a degree on my wall and here I am being a janitor, I said, okay, I'm going to learn from this position. And there are three lessons that carries me to who I am today out of being a janitor. The first lesson, my father said, I don't care what you do. You just do the best job possible. And I remember no floor was cleaner than at the end of my shift and no rubbish bin left full. Hmm. The second piece, there were times I would get on the elevator with nurses, doctors and administrators. I'm not a professional and I'm a janitor and I would be ignored. I know what that feels like. So this is why I talk to everybody and hold these conversations. I don't want people to ever feel that they are insignificant. And the third valuable lesson in anything that we do, instead of looking at it as the obvious of, I have a degree on my wall and I'm a janitor. Instead, it's like, what can I gain from this? What can I learn from this? And that learning mindset is, is what carries me today because then anything and everything, I never dwell on a problem. I focus on opportunities and solutions. All of that mm. emerged years and years and years ago out of being a janitor. And Cliff, mm. I now look at those letters. If one of those letters would have materialized, I wouldn't be with you today. My life would have gone in a different direction. I actually embrace those letters and say, thankfully, they did not materialize but it wasn't the same at the moment I was going through it. And the second thing is many of these companies no longer exist, but I still do. It reminds me how resilient we are as people because we can outlast these companies. So keep on. Mm. It doesn't matter. Those rejections are part of the experience and it becomes this favorite quote of mine. Obstacles are the necessary bricks on the road to my success. I needed them. I'm glad I have them now. And it's made me who I am. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that on this road towards success. What roadblocks did you find yourself up against? A lot of noise. A lot of times people would say, well, you can't, you shouldn't, you won't. And these roadblocks, you know, when you listen to the noise, it's going to prevent you from striving to where you need to go. And it, 
you know, made me realize that we need those champions and enablers, those uh, activators that are going to help support us in our journey. They're the ones that are going to activate the voice within to be louder than that noise that's around you. So those roadblocks, and I didn't appreciate those roadblocks in the beginning. Like I think as many of us do, we see them as roadblocks, setbacks, failures. And, you know, why can't this be easier? Why can't this be something that, uh, you know, makes more sense? But I think because we are always focused on the obvious part, I think we need to peel that onion away and just start looking at some of the core elements of what we gain as a result of it. And for me, that's, you know, when I started focusing, and I remember this specifically because I eventually did get to a corporate job. And I could do the job, but it wasn't me. But the moment, and I had done that for many years, but the moment I said, no, this isn't, there's got to be something else. I started focusing on who I am, not what am I going to do. And that's when clarity emerged. And I realized, yeah, this is not what I should be doing. And then I started focusing on the direction I needed to go. Wow. You know, um, I, I love the fact that you were bringing up uh, the growth mindset or you were implying the growth mindset. Carol Dewix, um has a great book on that. Um, I was reading another book uh, just the other day about Napoleon Hill and something you said just triggered a quote that he has in there that says later in life, after analyzing thousands of people, I discovered that most ideas are stillborn mm-hmm. and need the breath of life injected into them through definite plans and immediate action. The time to nurse an idea, he says, is at its birth. Every minute it lives gives it a better chance of surviving. Beautiful. When you look at your, it is beautiful. When you look at your journey, what internal struggles did you find yourself dealing with during the course of it? Yeah, the fact that I wasn't prepared, that I wasn't good enough, or, you know, just trying to stumble around in the dark, trying to realize Mm. what is this pathway. And, you know, back then, I mean, there really was no support. You literally were, you know, like those dandelion seeds that uh, emerge and then they just float off in the air. That's what it was like when I graduated because it's like there wasn't this, okay, this is, you know, a plan that you want to lay out. I mean, here you sit in in this, in where I was, you just think that that degree is all you need and now people are going to knock on your door. There was was no one knocking at the door and all you wound up doing was realizing that, you know, it wasn't the right thing. But the, the sad part, Cliff, is, I mean, that was many, many years ago and you would think that things have changed. I do three to eight conversations a week right now with people from around 15 to 40 year olds who went through the same, who are going through the same things that I went through many years ago, things haven't changed. So for me, this is where I think part of my journey is all of these hardships and experiences that I encountered were a necessity to enable me to then support and help so many individuals. And it's been about 5,000 conversations to date to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are your internal struggles. What external struggles did you find yourself up against? Yeah, the external ones were the fact that, you know, you you wind up anticipating that, okay, graduating with business and political science, you know, I'm just going to go out and start 
poking around here, trying to see what's there. There was a lot of noise because at that point, the external struggles are people telling you, well, you know, you, you wasted your time or, you know, you should do this, you should do that. And I mean, I still remember that like from an external piece, even before university, I remember, you know, in high school, I was awkward, shy and quiet. Pretty much not what you see today, but that's what I was. And I just remember going to my counselor in you know, in high school to say, I just got accepted to college. And I, I applied to one college. I was going to apply to other schools. And I was excited when I approached it because I said, you know, this is grade 12. I'm just in the process of now moving into this new area. And he turned to me and he said, you may want to rethink your plans. I don't know if university or college is what you should do. And it wasn't because of Mark's. It was just because I was awkward, shy, and quiet. And Cliff, I was this close, which is, you know, literally uh, very close to pulling my application to the college because I said, well, I don't belong there. But you know what I said? Why would I embarrass myself? You know, uh, you know, they're not going to call me because I don't deserve to be there. Well, a month or two later, I got a letter from the college saying, great, we look forward to introducing you, uh, meeting you and introducing you to the campus in September. And I was like, mm. oh, man, what do I do now? So I went mm. and the imposter syndrome hit because somebody told me I shouldn't be there. And I was like, literally going, you know, am I going to be found out that I don't belong here? And my first semester, it was OK. Like there were some classes I did better in and some that were OK. And then as I, yeah, and then I did the next semester and then I thought, let me try to get into university. And I applied to the university and I got in and then I spent my time in university. And I remember sitting at graduation when I got my undergrad degree and I remember sitting there going, I can't believe how wrong you were to that, about that counselor. And it wasn't that he was being mean or malicious. He just was really looking out what he thought was my best interest. Well, many years later, I wound up going to a university in England and I did my master's and I wound up sitting there going like, wow, I'm so glad I never listened to you. And, you know, right. Cliff, now I teach university level courses, but I was so close to withdrawing my application because of that external noise. And I think sometimes when that external noise approaches, don't just listen to that noise. Don't just take in what they say start internalizing it and then find the champions and enablers who are there to say what's important to you and let's see if this resonates and how does it resonate and they're going to ask you questions i think that's what we really need in life is are those champions and enablers wow you know theologian charles spurgeon says anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows but only empties today of its strength. And I think I, I love the fact that you were up against this external struggle, one of which you were just a smidget away from yep. pulling your application to where you are right now. And and, and I'll just pull on a couple of the, your training that you've done so far. I mean, business school at Cambridge, master's from Exeter University in leadership studies, and also did training at Harvard. I mean, what if you were to listen to that guy? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's really amazing it's really amazing to see how um just it, how you just decided to just by faith just move forward even in spite of what your external circumstances were telling you no and it and one thing it really told me is the realization later in life is when someone says you can't shouldn't or won't 
Now in life, what I say is, you've given me the authority to prove you wrong. And it's、mm. not in a malicious way or in a way to say, ha, told you so. But no, you've now given me the strength because I'm going to pour my effort and energy into、uh, just what you've just said I can't, shouldn't, or won't. I mean, you know, eight years ago, you know, writing a, a, a book, now I have two,、uh, was never even a, a goal or objective of mine. And、mm. I didn't have any experience in it, but then you slowly carve out Discover the Pathway, which now there's even a screenplay.、Uh, 12 years ago, I never thought I'd be standing in front of classes teaching you know, organizational behavior or teams and collaboration. But those emerge because the opportunities emerge because of the presence you now create.、Mm. Love it.、Mm-hmm. So that's what I consider to be your journey. This next segment is what I consider to be your niche. Yeah. And、uh, your niche basically falls into five categories. As I put it in my book, Dream Octane,、uh, it's considered to be passions.、Mm-hmm. What are your strong interests? Purposeful. What do you do that feels meaningful? Patterns. These are what you do naturally well. Proficiencies is what、mm-hmm. you've learned to do well over time. And problem solving, what people come to you to solve in a unique、yep. way. So we go back up to the top. What are your passions? What do you do that when you、mm-hmm. feel like you do it, it feels like an ignition switch going off in you? Yeah. And, you know, those are those five core elements pieces that I shared the servant leadership, story sharing, activator, igniter, champion, enabler, and community do gooder. And oftentimes, what I say is passion is important. Passion is an igniter to your purpose, which is one of the other ones that you've just stated. Because、mm-hmm. passion is difficult to sustain if it's just passion by itself. You need to start adding those elements to it to gain and get you to what your purpose is going to be. So that's what it draws. Passion is really important. Use it as an igniter to help you stream along towards your purpose.、Uh, for those who are in university, It's, you're not going to realize your purpose right away. Like, gr- hang on and grab onto that passion and start focusing on and, and emerging that clarity. And that purpose will emerge, but make sure you're open to realizing what your purpose is going to be、uh, through, self-respect,、uh, through self-reflection, introspection. That's going to guide you.、Mm. What do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that when you do it, you feel like I was made for this moment? Man, it's like a lot of what I do in life doesn't feel like work. It,、uh, you know, it just, I enjoy it so much. So the, the teaching、uh, that I do in university, just getting up in front and telling stories and taking the theories and saying, here's how it applies, doesn't feel like work. Sadly, the marking does feel like work, but that's just a component. <laughs> that's a component of it.、Right. Of which, guess what I'll be doing later today is marking. <laughs>、um, but, but that's where the, the, the teaching, the writing, the, when, I'm, when I'm sitting there, I remember somebody just asked me recently if I could do a forward for them for their book. And I mean, I thought about it and, and I was, and then all of a sudden it just hit me what this forward should be. And it, in one swoop, I wrote this forward and I just couldn't stop writing. And I sent it to them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that triggers、uh, within me this whole need of, you know, teaching, writing, speaking, sharing. It, it all gravitates to support other people's journey. Whatever I do, center point is that. Part of it is because I had such a difficult time, but it helped me to realize that I have so much to contribute. And 
one of the things I've said to myself is I'm not going to be a bystander in life. I'm going to mm. activate and support and help wherever I can. Uh, so people don't have to go through what I went through. Saying that, Cliff, it's important that they uh, that they do have some challenges and difficulties. You're, I'm not here to to you know basically give somebody this rosy world and on a platter. You have to have some of those hardships and struggles, the hero's journey, in order to appreciate what you gain. But equally, mm. I want the result to be that they actually do find their purpose. Mm. Aristotle says, excellence is never an accident. It is a result of sincere intention, focused effort, intelligent direction, skillful execution, and a vision to see obstacles as opportunities. Yes. What patterns, what patterns do you believe have been evidence in your life and helped you to get you where you are today? What do you do naturally well? Yeah, what I do naturally well is listen. And I listen to what people have to say. I've been able to build all of these stories. And it was the first TEDx speech that I did on personal storytelling. And mm. I think what was really important is coming it up, coming up with this idea of how can I help and support other people to tell their stories? But it also has enabled me to come up with my stories. And I came mm. up with this acronym called CARPE. So CARPE DM sees the day, but CARPE is what I do that has gained me all of these experiences and stories that I've captured. What CARPE stands for is curiosity. So I go through life with a very curious nature. I go with my eyes open, my mind, my, my senses are all open. And there are things that may be obvious, but stops me dead in my tracks. And I start observing it. A stands for appreciation. I start appreciating things, people, situations for more than what they are. And then as I appreciate, I start adding more purpose and meaning to it, and I reflect on it. So reflection is adding that introspection and purpose and meaning to something to add more significance to it. And then P stands for perspectives. Perspectives means we all have our own view of what the world is. So something to me might mean something different to you, but you build into it. But E is actually really important. E is experience. Make it into an experience. You capture it and hold on to that story. So for me, it's like I have a virtual filing cabinet of stories. So when I listen to people and they, st they share their journey with me, I'm able to pull stories because I've captured them. But I also want people to capture their own stories. And this is why I call it not storytelling, but story sharing. I want people to be able to build their stories as well. Wow. I love it. Um, one thing that you, as you were sharing that, it reminds me, uh, I, I do have a, a section in my book, Dream Octane, that talks about the seven tips um, of how one expresses their expertise. And as you're, as you're sharing what you're sharing, um, it's like straight out the pages. It's like <laughs> you just peel the pages because I, I talk about the seven tips are, you know, using yeah. alliteration, using acrostics, using analogies, using yeah. archetypes and so on. Um, and I just think it's brilliant. I, I, I love, I love your energy and I love mm -hmm. your experiences that you're sharing with the audience i'm sure others will feel the same way who's listening thank you um from, from a proficiency standpoint my pleasure mm -hmm. from a proficiency standpoint what have you learned to do well mm -hmm. over time yeah what i've learned to do well is align everything to those five things that i'm not willing to compromise that i've mentioned 
in the past. Those five things that they're, they're not anything that I would compromise. So what I've learned well is to really focus on those five things so that when an opportunity emerges, I compare it to the five things and then if it if it's hits five out of five, like speaking, teaching, writing, any of those things, I know that I have to do it. And it doesn't feel like work. And, you know, I've got about 12 projects I'm working on, but they're not independent, separated and distinct from each other. They layer into each other. And it's almost like blending through watercolors. And for me, that's mm-hmm. where um, it's important because it has to align with those five things. And and for me, you know, I guess at my point in life, I can be a bit more selfish to say it aligns with me. Like, for example, I find that if somebody wants me to speak and they say, well, here's the script, I have to turn it down because it doesn't align with my story sharing piece. Well, any of the five, when it's scripted, I have things that I need to share. And when they allow me that freedom, everything just flows. So it, the way I guess I could describe it, Cliff, is think of it as a life, life or career. We all wear a suit, but we're all wearing the same size suit. And mm. it fits some people, but it doesn't fit some people. And I find that when somebody tries to ask me to do something or impose, and this used to happen in the past, I used to say, okay, I'll do it. And it just felt like a suit that didn't fit it, it, you know, mm. for whatever reason. But now with those five things, I'm not willing to compromise. I have this tailored suit, this tailored life, tailored career. And it now has to hit the five out of five in order for me to embrace it. Mm. So, so what I, what I want to tease out right here for the audience is that, you know, here we have as an expert who's been through various trials. If you, if you heard lit earlier on in the program, roadblocks, internal struggles, external struggles. But I, I hear in your journey right now that you've developed a framework, almost like a filtration or a distillation process for how you receive opportunities, right? Like opportunities are always happening, but you're able to, through this distillation process and framework, see if the opportunity actually matches up with what you are mm-hmm. uh, inherently good at mm-hmm. or what your abundant factor is. And when the two align, yeah. you're like, oh, this is obvious. Well, if I do that one thing, it's not going to be work for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's very valuable. Now, I, will, I would love to take that last point that we're going to make right here about problem solving yeah. and actually de- dovetail right into the very next thing that's going to be your secrets. Yeah. But right before we get into the, sec- the secrets, what problems do people mm-hmm. come to you to solve in a pretty unique way they come to me because they see me as this monk they see me as <laughs> this individual all-knowing like it's interesting because i'm they see me as this orange saffron bearded man sitting on top of a mountain now cliff <laughs> i have somewhat of a beard i mean i live in a vancouver and on the mountain but i don't wear an orange saffron robe and i call myself a difficult monk because the answers that they come and it's it's interesting because they want me to actually plan their life out they say what Mm. job should i do what career what business should i open and i'm like if i knew what business you should open shouldn't i be doing that and (laughs) i call myself the difficult monk because you come to me looking for the answers to life and what i'm going to do is ask you questions 
I'm going to yeah. reach down into who you are and pull from that. And that's what、um, I find is the answers that people are seeking lie within them. But this is where the noise will tell you this is what you should do. Whereas、mm-hmm. the difficult monk, or what I do, is I'm going to ask a lot of questions because the answers lie within you. And then you're going to realize it, but then you're going to own it because it. It aligns with who you are. So, I mean, I get all sorts of people coming to me with problems, or, and then I also get,、uh, you know, people coming with me to me and they, they dump the problem saying, well, it doesn't work. But what I like to do then is I like to say, okay, what doesn't work? And then start peeling it away. But are, what are the opportunities that lie within here? And embedded in here is a solution. Now, it may not be the, The, the magic bullet, but equally at the same time, it's going to take us somewhere else. And are you comfortable with moving from one point to another? Like, and that's the other part is people may be resistant to the change.、Uh, you know, and I come across that. Oh, I don't know. And it also becomes the language they use. And I always catch people on this. And I'm sitting there and I, you know, I'll be like,、uh, so, you know, After we've had this conversation and they've got this realization, so what's your next step? And they said, Well,、um, I might look into this. And I said, Okay, might or you will look into this. And then they suddenly said, No, no, I will look into this.、Uh, so it's also about the semantics of the words you choose and the words you use. So this is why I said I listen to what people say. And then、mm. I start integrating it. And I, I say, Okay, as a result of our conversation today, what's the one action item? I mean, you can come and talk to me, and you know, maybe if I don't say that, we just separate and then you get on your merry life. But when I say,、mm-hmm. what's one action item as a result of being present here with me today that you are going to act upon? And then see what they say that they want to do. And not might, but they will do. And then I, I, I ask them to, can you let me know how that goes? And then hopefully they follow up. Wow. Well, so that's what I consider to be your niche. And the last segment that we have here are your secrets. So now I know you've been talking to the niche finder community, but I would love to put you in an imaginary state and just have you pretend、mm-hmm. that you are actually speaking to your younger self,、mm-hmm. right? I want you to share these secrets that can help accelerate your progress from where you are at that younger stage、mm-hmm. in life before you even went to college while、yeah. you were still doing different things, having a, vi- a vision, but not necessarily attainment yet. So, what's One secret would you give to that younger self of yours、yeah. that would help accelerate them from where they are at that moment in time to where you are today? Yeah, and part of it, Cliff, I mean, I, I appreciate the question. And part of what I say is my, what I would tell that younger self is nothing except you're going to be all right, but just trust me on this. You have to go through some hardships, and there's going to be hardships.、Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't,、yeah. I think I really needed those experiences to make me who I am. And, you know, And, that, and as a result of that, I'm accelerating other people's growth. But the younger self I would share, that secret is don't worry, you'll be fine. It's going to be bumpy,、mm. but you're going to be fine. So just trust me on this.、Wow. I hate to say it as it's、wow. not a cop out, and it's not to say that, but I think that I really do believe that I needed those setbacks in order to help me reach、right. and attain. And have these experiences that are, that are very rich that I can now share with people. 
Mm. Yeah. You know, Denzel Washington said that ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at your journey, tell me one secret that you feel is a must have to getting started and staying committed. Yeah. The moment I stopped looking at what I wanted to do and I focused on who I am, that's when clarity emerged. And that's when I Mm -hmm. said, okay, if I'm in this corporate job and it's like that suit that doesn't fit, what do I want? And then I started thinking about, okay, what should it look like? And I remember then seeing this area in the, in the company that I thought looked interesting and, but I had to start thinking about it. And that's when I started visioning this five core elements piece and I started internalizing it. And the way that that happened is think of it this way to, you know, you need to lay down a foundation. I mean, to build a house, you need a foundation, a a strong, solid foundation. We pay somebody money to come and inspect the foundation. When have we done that with our life to create that foundation? For me, prior to doing this, I felt like a leaf in the stream. When a leaf falls into the stream, the stream just guides and carries you where it wants to go. And I just remember everything in my life was guided by circumstances, but I wasn't sure where it was guiding me and where it was taking me. But the moment I started focusing on who I am, clarity emerged. And the way I did this was I said, and I didn't know it was going to be five, but I find five is the optimal number. But I said, what are things that I'm not willing to compromise that are really important to me. And when I came up with a word, all of a sudden, I asked myself, okay, Sam, why is that important? Why is that word so important to you? And then I went deeper, deeper, deeper. So there was a first word, then it came a second word. And next thing you know, I kept asking, why is that important to me? And that laid down that foundation. And it made me realize that the job I was doing was not the right fit. But then I saw this job in road safety, community relations, community engagement. And I said, that's where I need to be. And because it was aligned to those five things, I mean, I started from a position of zero. And this is, again, where the noise came in. They said, Sam, you're not going to get in there because they you don't have any experience. They only hire people from outside. You know, that's a, a, a public relations job. Why don't you just stay what you're doing? That's a safe thing. Well, All I did was I contacted the guy in my neighborhood who, well, the guy in our company who was responsible for my area in road safety. And he just said, look, I don't have any help. Why don't you come on Tuesday next week? I've got an event in a park. And if you, you know, I'd love to have you there. I don't have any help. I went there Mm. and I enjoyed it. Then he said, you know, I, I really enjoyed working with you. You know, I've got another event, you know, at another community, whatever, in two weeks. Love to have you there. I went. And then about a month after, he just said, look, uh, I've got a campaign I'm working on. I don't have anyone here and I can't be at both places. Would you like to lead one? And I said, of course. And then I started doing this, but the noise started happening where people said, he's using you. You keep saying, yes, he's going to mm-hmm. use you. And they're, and they're like, you're not going to get in. But I remember, you know, a couple of months of doing all this community relations. I was enjoying myself. It was outside of the hours. My manager came up and he tapped me on the shoulder. He says, look, I'm interested in doing a community relations plan for our office, the branch office here. Do you want to lead it? And I was like, absolutely. So I took it on. And the noise said, see, now he's using you. You're not going to get in. And it was interesting because at the eight-month mark, after doing all this community relations stuff, 
and it aligned with the who I am, I applied for a job in road safety and I didn't get it. So now everybody said, when are you going to learn that you're not destined for this? They're, they're going to only hire people from outside. But you know what? I never listened to the noise. I carried on because I was having so much fun doing what I was doing. And about four, right. 14 months later, you know, going through all this, a job came up. I applied and I got in. And everybody was like, how did you do that? Like, but they never saw the work in the trenches. They never saw the extra hours I was putting in or the dedicated work. But Cliff, it didn't feel like work because it aligned to those five things that I said were really important to me. And from that moment on, I never looked back and everything had changed. And it, it started to ignite from the passion to that purpose to help me realize I need to be doing things like this. That's, I think, mm -hmm. how I can best describe it. Wow. You know, Les Brown says want shows up in conversation. Expectation shows up in behavior. When you uh, I'm going to tee up a, a, this last question for you, actually, second to last question. Um, and it, it's probably going to be a difficult one from based on what you what you share with me thus far. <laughs> but what one action item would you give the audience? That's a must have for them to do on their pursuit towards finding their niche. Yeah, I would say start looking at who you are not what you do. And my second mm. TEDx was exactly about this, which was start focusing on who you are and laying that foundation down and, you know, find somebody that you can engage and trust and have a conversation with them and say, you know, what's and have that person ask you questions. What's important to you? What are you not willing to compromise? But once you respond with something, then say why. So for example, you know, I, I do, and I do this, you know, often is, you know, I'll say, give me something that you're not willing to compromise. And oftentimes people say family, family's really important to me. And I said, okay, why is family important to you? They'll say, well, it's, you know, the relationships I, and connectedness that I have to these individuals and, you know, my extended family. And then we go down in detail after I keep asking why. And then you know, I said, okay, but let me go back. And this is where it's really helpful to have like a coach or somebody that you trust. Because then I go back and I said, well, you use the word relationships and connectedness. Does that apply to your work environment? And they're like, oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, does that apply to when you were in school? And they're like, oh, absolutely. Does this apply in your social life, the relationships and connectedness? And they're like, oh, it has to be there. And then I said, okay, instead of family, can we replace that with relate relationships and connectedness? Now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Now we've created that foundation piece that anything that you want to embrace has to involve relationships and connectedness. There's your one pillar that's already now in place. Mm -hmm. And I also tell people, have fun. I mean, I was working with somebody in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, she was, we were working on the five core elements and what resonates. What are you not willing to compromise? And I always say, have fun with this as well. So she said, the environment is really important to me and I do what I can uh, to work with improving the environment. And we went down, and I kept asking why. And at a certain point, I just said, ah, oh, so you're an environmental ninja. And she suddenly went, <laughs> oh man, I love that. Can I use it? And I said, well, that's your word. You're an environmental ninja. Like how cool would that be when you embrace right. that? And now that becomes part of your identity, uh, your superhero skills. Like 
You know, it's like watching Shazam. Okay, do you have laser vision? Do you have right. speed? What do you got? This is exactly right, right. the same thing. What are those five things that become your superpower? Wow, love it. So, last question that I have for you: um, How do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Yeah. Well, number one is I personally don't have goals. I've got intentions. Because for me, goal, wow. goals are absolutes. Like if if an opportunity emerges that doesn't line up with a goal, well, today I wouldn't be a writer, I wouldn't be an educator, I wouldn't be a community activator. Um, instead, I focus on those five things that make up my foundation, and I think that's the the journey that we focus on instead of a destination. Focus on the journey and realize the essence of that journey because the journey is the more important part than the final destination the final destination comes and for me it's always been that when you create that five core elements piece you have a presence and it's it's a dual purpose presence you now have because for me it offers clarity in things that i want to do like now i'm starting to build out retreats uh, for to support people in their journey But it also means that people then realize your presence. And now opportunities come to me as a result because of the strength of who you are as an individual. It's almost like, uh, think of it this way. You've got those corner stores and let's say you've got a you know Starbucks and you want to go buy a pair of flip-flops because it's a beautiful day. Would you actually go to Starbucks <clears throat> to buy a pair of flip-flops? And the answer is, of course not. Because they're tea, coffee, food-related items. <clears throat> you might go to the corner store because you know what they sell: food items, lottery tickets, fried chicken, coffee, hardware. They may have it. So, what you really do with those five core elements is become that presence and that brand that all of a sudden people are aware of, and they're not going to waste their time going to the corner store to try to find someone who might be able to do it. They're gravitating towards the person who can do it because of that presence. Mm. So, such a pleasure to have you on today. Such words of wisdom. I, I really appreciate this interview. I mean, I think there's so many different elements that someone can walk away from and um, just just have something to put in their satchel of understanding and pull out at the times when they feel uh, they need to get clarity. So, I appreciate you definitely investing in our community today. If someone want to get in contact with you directly, how would they best do that? Yeah, I mean, there are multiple ways. I mean. You know, I've got my website, so it's Sam at well www.sam-thiara t h i a r a dot com. So there's about 185 blog posts there that people can read about their journey uh, to help them in their journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, so people can find me there as well. Wow! 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 So, Sam Viara, I want to thank you for joining us today, and um, for our Niche Finder community. You know that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dream and ability could be its fuel. If you haven't already, get your copy of Dream Octane. Go on to Amazon, type in Dream Octane, and you know the seven steps to discover, develop, and deliver your niche, and 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 begin your journey uh, of iterating your way from not knowing what you have in abundance, discovering it, developing it, and delivering it to a wider audience. We are grateful again to have Sam Thiara on our show today, and we look forward to having a very next guest next week who can help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for tuning in today and have a blessed day.